For those of you at home, it's less awkward if you're praying with me than if I'm praying with you. So let's pray as we uh, get into the Word. Heavenly Father, we just pray this morning that though we are not present in the same room, we are present on the same world that our Heavenly Father created. We're present with the Holy Spirit together. Lord, we pray that this morning would be just a reflection of of the opportunity we have to reach our community in the midst of of times where where people are, are really struggling to grasp what's going on all over the world. This is completely unprecedented, God. And yet, this is an opportunity for more people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we pray this morning would just be be one part of that. So as we look into your word, we look into the book of James. God, open our eyes, our ears, our souls to be able to have right motives. Motives that are going to change and transform the world. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm John Mueller, the lead pastor at Sunlight Community Church, and I'd like you to welcome you to what I think as of Wednesday I wasn't expecting, and that's our church online. So I think in terms of such an unprecedented time, we need to think differently. We need to remember the words of Jesus. John 16.33 says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. This is a time where we need peace. I mean, people are fighting each other for toilet paper. Let's be honest. And Jesus continues to say, In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. This is an opportunity to overcome the world. We will overcome this virus and the the fact that we're not together, present, but yet we're in our homes together, worshiping together. We'll be able to move forward. And in the meantime... I think we're all asking, what does it mean to be a church? The church is not just a physical building. It's not just our worship center here that you can see. It's, it's much bigger than that. It's not just a gathering space. It's the people of God. This week we sent a letter through email and through our Facebook page with some encouragement. This is an opportunity And sometimes we see things that change what's going on as not an opportunity, but this is an opportunity to help your neighbors and to see how we can love in midst of a dramatic upset to our regular rhythm. I can tell you that I would be the first person to say that I've been shocked when I've talked to other pastors all over the country about what they're doing in light of what's going on in our world. So if you're watching, this is my one request. If you're seeing this, join our current Facebook group, And for more updates and more ministry opportunities, we want to update every day with some ministry opportunity as they come in. You can just search Sunlight Community Church on Facebook. And so I'm going to to give a disclaimer before I start into the sermon. Much like late night TV, I've not been able to test out the jokes from the sermon, so they might fall flat, okay? So if you're watching and something falls flat, just understand it's just as bad as late night TV. So today, we're going to be in the book of James. We're continuing a series focused on Lent. It's focused on remembrance, repentance, and renewal. 
Lent is the 40 days leading up to Good Friday. And so if you have our app, you can follow along there. Click the link at the top of the, the feed. But considering you're watching this potentially on your phone, you've got to grab someone else's phone. So grab your spouse's phone, grab your friend's phone, grab someone else's phone. This is a two-phone event. This is an iPad and a phone event. This is a TV and a phone event. So it means we need two devices. And so today we're going to talk about misguided motives. Have you ever gotten tra off track with your motives? I have. Have you ever had others misinterpret your motives? I have again. We all struggle with what our motives are and if they are right. If they're misguided, then we really are going to struggle. We get off track. So misguided motives get off track slowly. It's never fast. It's if we're slowly lured and then we're stuck with struggles and addiction and pain and sorrow because of our motives. And so if we think about our motives... Different people have different misguided motives. Let me tell you some of my struggles with this. One of my struggles is that I'm a rapid processor, and I'm very verbal about it. Those that know me that are watching at home are probably laughing or saying something in their head like, no, duh. So I, I know that that's true of me, but how is it true of you? So think about when you have misguided motives. So I tend to say things quickly. So many times when I've gotten home, I say to my wife right away, within five minutes, which again is a mistake, I say, why didn't this get done? But I don't say it that way. That was really nice, right? I say, why didn't this get done? And so in any, anyone that's been in a relationship for any length of time that knows that there's always a good reason. It's never a bad reason. And so when we have the motive of getting the information, well, that's, that's a good motive, but the accusatory tone that makes it misguided motives. And that's why when we're misguided, it's really hard to tell how misguided we actually are. It's very easy to mix some misguided motives with some right motives. And so it makes it completely misguided. So James tells everyone that we have misguided motives. We're tempted by things that lead to our destruction. Turn with me to James chapter 1, verse 13. And, and I want you to follow along at home. It's, it's kind of interesting because, one, I don't see here the page, pages turning and really speaking to, like, two whole people that I can see. It's so different. So follow along with me. If I'm going too fast, comment on our Facebook feed because then all of a sudden, you know, someone's going to notice that and I can slow down. But verse 13 Starting verse 13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. Remember that, church. That is so important. For God cannot be tempted with evil, for he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. So I'm going to stop there in verse 16. It, it, this whole thing starts by saying when we are tempted. We're supposed to expect temptation. We can't just think it's going to happen sometimes. We can't just uh, assume maybe it'll happen to someone else. We need to know who we are and whose we are when temptation comes. We can't be tempted by God because he's not tempted to do evil. Think about this. This is a new word. I'm making it up. It, God is untemptable. He's untemptable. It's impossible for God to be tempted. So what does this say about other human beings? Other human beings can easily be a part of that. So temptation can come from a person just as much as a screen, just as much as a device, just as much as a place. And it can likely come 
from people that you're not expecting it from. It comes from unlikely and unexpected sources. That's why we need to be ready. Temptation comes from our desires and motives, which we are solely responsible for. No one else is responsible for what you do. I, I see this so much because we don't want to accept responsibility. Our culture has shifted so much that we say, when someone does something, there's always someone else to blame. It's because my parents, it's because my cousin, it's because this, it's because my car broke down, it's because, you know, like, it goes back to dog ate my homework. Where does it end? And so our temptation comes from our desires and motives, and we are solely responsible. So everyone has misguided motives that lead to destruction. How do our misguided motives work? Verse 14 here says specifically, it's this language of a hunt. The prey, which is us, is lured out into the open to be devoured. And, and this temptation pulls us out. The, the words usually literally mean dragging us out and then killing us. They're dragging us out. The temptation, the predator seems attractive, and then it strikes. We're misguided in our motives when we think we are above or beyond temptation. The temptation this weekend was not to actually listen to what's going on around the world and just go on like nothing's happening. And the temptation in the future will be the same. But when I go to the grocery store and there's no toilet paper, that is an emergency, okay? And so we need to realize that, that we are not above that temptation or beyond that temptation. You know what? It's like herd think. When you go there, everyone has one package of toilet paper in their, gro in their grocery cart. That's temptation. It's not because everyone needs toilet paper. It's because everyone sees everyone else doing it. And that's the temptation is to follow along what other people are doing. And so we're all tempted at different times with different things. So where do our misguided motives take us? It says our desires, our motives give birth to temptation. This is a baby we don't want to grow. I know, I just said it. As a pastor, you'd be here laughing or saying something like snickering to yourself, but we don't want this baby to grow, this temptation. Though babies grow fast as babies do, which is going to lead from temptation to action. J.C. Ryle puts it like this. Habits, insert the word temptations, are like trees strengthened by age. A boy may bend an oak when it's a sapling and be able to pull it out, but a hundred men cannot root it up when it's a full-grown tree. Think about that. By the time our misguided motives are a teenager, we're going to have no control over it, right? We're going to have no control over this teenage temptation monster. And so we have to realize that we need to stop the growth of our temptation now. How do we do that? One is to plead with God to change our hearts. That's going to be more effective than just trying to stop what's happening inside of us. So we need guardrails to help us stay away from those temptations when we know they're places or people that lead us back to misguided motives. Can we not forget that, that many times we don't realize that the temptation's within us, the desire is within us, the motive is within us, and it's not God doing it, but it's us doing it. We need to pull up those oak saplings of temptation when they're small and don't let them grow into full trees. Verse 16, you may wonder why I read verse 16 with this earlier section. I think this is one of the things that we miss when we read this, if we don't read the whole passage together, is that we are self-deceived. Verse 16 says we're quick to blame God and others for our temptation. We're quick to excuse ourselves, and it leads to, to growth in our level of confidence in our ability not to be tempted. Think about this. Eve eats the fruit. Says, Adam, eat the fruit. 
When God asks, what happened? Adam blames Eve, but Adam ate the fruit. Think about it. He, he, right away, right away, there was a quick excuse to themselves, but then blaming another person. So when I was a kid, I was told many times, pride comes before a fall. And so it literally says in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. When we are proud and arrogant, we will both be destroyed and fall. Sounds like our response when our motives are misguided. And I can't tell you enough that misguided motives are somewhat like quicksand. You step into them and you don't realize how it's sucking you down slowly. And eventually you're gasping for air and trying to breathe. James gives us a lot of hope though. We don't have to fall into that quicksand. Because unlike us, God does have good and right motives. So follow along with me, verse 17 and 18. I think it's really important as we look at these verses to realize that this first part really does go with verse 17 and 18. So it says in verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth to the word of truth, that we would, should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, some of the words here I don't normally use, so I'll give you some context in a second. Where is every perfect, a good and perfect gift from? Where is it from? What does it say? You're at home, so you can comment below. See, just comment. Where is that good and perfect gift from? God, the Father of light, the one that has no darkness in him. God gives good and perfect gifts. It's simple. God is the creator. He's dependable. He doesn't change. He set creation in motion, but yet he's not a part of the creation. And so all motion in the world is a reflection of his creative power. But God is gracious, giving us favor we don't deserve. Right now, if this had happened 20 years ago, you wouldn't be watching online right now. Is this a grace right now that you can be with your church family, yet you're at home sitting there, being able to be with your family and discuss what is going on in the world, be able to hear a sermon, listen to worship music, and, and praise God together? And so this is one of God's gracious gifts. We're given new birth. We're born again through his word. It says we're a kind of first fruits. I'm not a farmer, but I have found that first fruits is a very important turn. First fruits is the initial batch of a crop. We are the first fruits. It shows that there is a harvest coming. Think about that, church. We are the first fruits. There's a harvest coming. So are we going to be part of that harvest where, where there's, there's temptations and things in the world to, to, to fear? And then we're on the other side with peace and strength are we going to be part of the harvest? Are we going to be tempted to sit this one out? I wrote this before the last few days. And so when I wrote this, are we going to be tempted to sit this out? I thought, well, that's an interesting question at this point because there's some irony with that. And so are we going to be tempted to sit this one out? Is At this time, you have an opportunity. This week, you can choose to love your neighbors. Some of you don't even know who lives next to you. Go say hi. See if they need anything. See if their kids are home from school. Maybe watch their kids for them if you can. Do something because together the church is the hope of the world. God here is giving good and perfect gifts. 
Let's be a part of the harvest that is here and is coming. But to be part of that harvest, James gives some direction. So let, let's read along in James 19, or 119 here through 21, where it says, Knowing this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. I think it's interesting. I am such an in-person person. So this is probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do in speaking. But realizing that the word of God, whether it's on a screen or it's in person, is the same word. Whether it's in your Bible that you're reading right now, or whether it's on a phone or a tablet or somewhere in your house, or it's here, you're still reading the same word of God that we read on Sunday mornings, and that is so important for us to realize. Right here it says we are, we are referred to as beloved, which means dear to the heart. It means a, a much-loved person. It, it's not something that is just thrown away casually. It's not used very common. Much-loved people. Much-loved people be quick to hear. And I think this is important. The important thing is if you're quick to hear, the other things will fall in line. So right motives come from being willing to listen to others. You know, listening's hard. Right now, I feel like I'm talking to myself, right? Listening is hard. Don't half listen to others. And I know I'm saying this while we're streaming, but put down the phone sometime when someone's talking to you. Or turn off the TV. Do what you need to fully listen. Maybe you're at home and you're, you're, your attention's divided right now. Focus on what's most important. If we half listen to others, it's going to be easier to do the same with God, but much worse results. So if we half listen to others, we're going to half listen to God. So with misguided motives and trials, we're much slower to listen and quicker to speak. Quickly, we want to speak. When we're drowning out God, using others to help us see the big picture, we're going to have problems. Our motives are directly affected by our ability to listen. And, and I can't say that I just, you know, I, I preach this and I, I don't feel convicted myself at times. I have a confession. My wife would probably say, that I didn't start our marriage as a good listener, but I've gotten better. And most of us men, if you're, if you're married, your wife might be looking at you at home right now and saying, hey, I wish you would listen more. So what I try to do, and what I've tried to do, is fix problems. Well, guess what? Sometimes people just want you to listen to their story, and maybe they're not ready yet for the, the, the solution. And so we need to be good at listening. When we struggle to listen... This is why I say it all follows in line. It's easier to be angry. When we struggle to listen to what someone else is saying, we can easily be angry. We can easily be angry at the wrong things, at the wrong time, in the wrong ways. Now, let me say that again. It, it, can, be easily, it, it can be easy to be angry at the wrong things, at the wrong times, in the wrong ways. And we can't forget that. We need to be ruthless with our sin instead of ruthless towards others. We, we're so ruthless towards others, but yet we're not ruthless with our own sin and our own struggles. And that turns us to be angry people. To be ruthless with our sin, we need to accept, act on, and do what God's word says. 
It's, it's all of what we are. We need a change. So, this leaves me with a big question. What place are we giving God's word in our life? What place are we doing what God is telling us to do? And an even further question, as, as we're sitting at home thinking, are we listening to what God's word says? Are we, are we actually listening to what God's word said? Are we focused on what will save us or our misguided motives? We, we keep thinking about those temptations, the things, you know, honestly, I've thought about this. Since so many churches went online this weekend, I thought the temptation would be to not do anything with church because being in person is what holds us together and as we gather. But the thing I think this is, is a huge opportunity for families to worship God together in their homes. And that's really the core of what this needs to be. If, if, if schools end up, uh, end up closing and we end up having uh, just, just a bunch of kids that are at home, this is an opportunity for us to spend more time with our kids. This is an opportunity for us to work together as communities, as, as neighborhoods, to see people be helped in a tangible way. You know, I think of it with my kids. They're all like, there's only one of them that's school age, but she's just like, wait, you're saying there might not be school? And, and I think we need to tell them what's going on, how we can help people, opportunities. It's not to hoard toilet paper, okay? That's one thing that is not an opportunity. There's another thing that's not an opportunity I found out. There's a guy that was in the New York Times because he, he hoarded 1,700 bottles of hand sanitizer and was price gouging people on Amazon. That is not what we want to do, church. What we want to do is help our neighbors, help, help the elderly, help, help people that are at a high risk to this virus. Like, I don't understand why, why this is so scary, but I do understand why we are fearful together. Because when we're not focused on what opportunities are happening, we focus on the social isolation aspect. And I, I want to know, I'd be the first person to say, I love coming to church on Sunday mornings. I love it. I love you, church. And this is so hard. And I love it because, because we get to come together and we're real people. We're able to talk to each other. We're able to encourage one another. We're able to come together because a, a group of people that are passionate about Jesus, you can't get anything better than that. So what are we focused on? What's going to save us? And so in this time, I'm going to ask you to pray for people that are around you. Pray for people in the neighborhood. Pray for people in our community that maybe because their kids are home, they're scrambling to find childcare, Or maybe because they don't know how their kids are going to get fed for lunch. Pray for those things. Because church, this is right now the time to mobilize what we're doing. And we want to hear stories of what you're, what you're doing in the community because that is so exciting to see what God is doing. But James doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us there. And that's why I say all this right now. He doesn't leave us there. He continues his thought. It's not just enough to listen to God's word. So maybe you're listening right now and you're hearing God's word, but you haven't acted yet on it. You haven't acted yet on the, the opportunity that we have to reach the community. So, so turn with me back to James chapter 1, and it's right in verse 22. Verse 22 is one that I, I almost want to tell my kids every day, 
So be doers of the word, right? Do what God says, because that's what, what my goal is as a parent. So, so follow along with me, verse 22 through 25. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and once he forgets, and, and once forgets what he li- is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, becoming no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Be a doer of the word. Simple as that. Be a doer of the word. But that's not easy though, right? Because being a doer of the word says you might go to a place where you might get hurt, you might incur pain. Your heart might be vulnerable like we talked about last week. It's not easy, though. Right motives come from the Word of God. They come from the Word of God. It's as simple as that. We need our motivations to change. And our motives come from our desires. God's desire is for us to be obedient. If we obey, we will be blessed. And, and I want everyone to hear this. When it says we're going to obey and we'll be blessed. It's not the far off future, but it says blessed now. The word is in the present tense. It's right now that we will be blessed. And I don't, I, I don't want to say we're going to be blessed in some way that is counter to God, what God's word is. I think sometimes we're blessed in our heart, in our relationships, in how we are able to interact with others. It's, it, it, you know, when I was a kid, it's like, it's like well, it's, be, it, it's more blessed to give than receive, Right? And so this is an opportunity for us to give. What we're doing right now is thinking about brainstorming this week and what are we going to do in the community? What, what can we do with this opportunity that we have? We need our motivations to change. Our motives are really what we're struggling. So how should right motives affect my thinking? How should they affect my attitude, my behavior? And we cannot forget who we are and have right motives. We cannot forget who God is and have right motives. So we need to know who God is and who we are and who God says we are. So I think of this. Right motives give us real freedom. We have real freedom right now. We have freedom to be able to watch this online. We have freedom to be able to be out in our community. We, we didn't choose not to meet because someone told us we chose because we want to be responsible for others. We want to care for others. If there's the potential for someone to be here and, and, and struggle with an infection, we don't want that to happen. And so we're looking at what our options are in the coming weeks. But we have real freedom because, like I said, 20 years ago, this could not have happened. 20 years ago, if we were to cancel a local gathering, a service, we would be done. And you wouldn't be able to watch. And so we have real freedom. We think of freedom as the absence of constraint, the absence of not being able to do things, the absence of rules. But real freedom is not the absence of constraint, but it's the right type of constraint. Think of it like this. If you're watching with your kids, this is really easy to understand. If you take a fish out of water, what happens? It doesn't have more freedom. It has less freedom. It dies quickly. 
It was designed to live in water. Freedom from water for a fish is removing a constraint, but it doesn't give more freedom. Instead of real freedom, it leads to death. Think about that. Freedom from God's word doesn't lead to more freedom. It leads to death. It leads to destruction. We shouldn't resent obeying, but realize the real freedom is from right motives. It, it we're designed to be in right relationship with God. It's like a fish out of water for us to not have a relationship with God because he's the one who created us. That's the difference. So how, how do our motives need to shift? You know, right now, I personally have decided not to post on social media about what's going on. And part of the reason is because everyone's posting things or putting things on the internet that might be true but might not be true. And I think what's happening right now is it's just adding to what's going on. Is, is people are, are saying, oh, this is going on or that's going on. And people are just going all crazy when I think the answer is we don't know the answer yet. We don't know what's going on entirely. And so we shouldn't, we shouldn't just say, oh, well, this is what's going on, when in reality, nothing's changed with God right now. So if you're a believer, and you're reading things, and you're getting panicked, and you're getting anxious, I'm telling you right now, comment in the feed or talk to us. This is so important that we come together as a church because our anxiety when Jesus has overcome the world, we have overcome the world. We don't need to be concerned about this. In the sense that we need to say, nothing has changed about God. So, do our motives need to shift to right motives? What does that look like? What does it mean for your motives to go from misguided to right motives? What motives are not giving real freedom, but leading to destruction of a relationship of connection with God. Right now, some of you, this is probably the hardest thing you've had to do. Just watch on a screen rather than be here in person. Most Sundays you want to be here, right? But it's a real struggle to not be here. And so I would encourage you to get together in, in a smaller group with people you know. Maybe discuss the sermon this week. And we're, we're looking into what it looks like to be the church in this time and find circles of encouragement. How can we be ruthless with our sin rather than ruthless with others? Right now, there's a lot of people knocking other people down. For whatever reason, they're just knocking other people down. They're being mean to other people. Um, people are hoarding things. They're being irrational. How can we be ruthless with our sin rather than ruthless with others? We just have to remember that. Can we receive the good and perfect gift of the word? I'm going to have Pastor Aaron come up here. Can we receive that good and perfect gift? I'm telling you, church, as you're watching, you can receive the good and perfect gift of the Word of God from home right now. You can receive and understand what is going on in our world from a different perspective because, because we need to be prayerful. We need to pray for others. Why aren't we praying for the people around us and encourage them? You're going to hear stories in the next few weeks, I'm sure, of people that are struggling, one, to feed their kids, two, you're going to hear stories of elderly people 
that are really struggling, whether they should go out in public and get the things that they need, like prescriptions. You're going to hear stories of people all over this country not knowing what to do because this has never happened before. Nothing like this has happened. So what? So what? In this time, what matters? So what? Everyone has misguided motives that lead to destruction. But we know, church, that God gives good and perfect gifts, and God has given us a gift today. Here's the gift. This week, find someone that you can help. Find someone that you can help. You're probably already stretched in, but guess what? There's someone else worse off than you. I've I've learned that in my, my lifetime. There's always someone worse off than where you're at. And so look at what you have and think, who can I help with what I have? Because the whole country is going to struggle for a while. But God gave us a good and perfect gift. And that is right motives that come from the word of God, being willing to listen to others and give us real freedom. We have the freedom right now to worship through, through a, a video screen. We have the freedom to come together as a church and know that God is with us. Because where two or more are gathered, I am with you. God is with you in your living room. He's with you where you are. Wherever you are, he's with you. Remember that. And and take, take a moment right now at home. As we close our service, we're going to sing a song. But take time with your family, with your friends, whoever you're with. And take time to pray for each other and encourage each other. Once this last worship song is done, pray with your kids, pray with your your cousin, pray pray for yourself. If you're by yourself, God is with you. But encourage each other in this time. This week, if, if you have an opportunity and you'd like to volunteer to help people in the community, we are looking for volunteers to be able to do that. It may look different, it may be you got one night this week that you'd be willing to help someone. Call us, email us, get a hold of the church, comment on Facebook. We'd love to come together as the church. Mobilize the church to reach those in the community, to help them, to encourage them. So let me pray as I, as I close this part of our, our service, but we're going to sing together. And I would encourage you at home to stand up, to raise your hands, to, to, to do something different for once. Guess what? No fear because no one is around you except for your own family, okay? You don't have to look around and see if other people are doing something. You're just in your own home. Let's do that together. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just pray. I just pray right now for everyone watching. I pray, one, specifically, Lord, that you would change our motives right now Our motives as a church, help us to to give all that we are, that your Holy Spirit can move in us as a church to reach those in the community that are in need. Lord, it's not just our community. It's all over the country and the world that things are happening. Help us to become more aware of what is needed. Help us to see a need and meet a need. God, help us to mobilize just like the National Guard. Mobilize and help people. Let us not be afraid of a, of a virus, but, but yet, Lord, let us be careful and respectful and encourage others 
as, that were for the community. And in this moment, let us be known for that. Let us be unafraid and be ruthless with our own sin, but not ruthless with others in this time. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen.